Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back in to Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you in our family leisure studios. And joining us now to talk some SEC basketball, Blake Lovell from the Southeastern 14 joins us now. Blake, thanks so much for joining us again. And we had some fun games last night in the SEC, a really good slate of games tonight as well. But looking at last night's game, Arkansas goes on the road and beats Texas A&M, a team that before the season started, a lot of people were talking about that could be in that conversation conversation for winning the conference and now it looks like with that loss probably outside of the NCAA tournament right now uh, in terms of bracketology what have you made of this year for for Texas A&M and and where did it go from them being picked by some preseason to win the conference and now on the outside looking into the NCAA tournament yeah they've been a strange team guys I mean I think it kind of you know obviously have a, a player of the year guy in Wade Taylor from last year and you think all right that's good. You start there, you build off of that, and um, you feel like you know you've got some good players around him. Obviously, Tyrese Radford um, can be really good too. But I don't think we ever could imagine that A and M was going to be as bad offensively in terms of shooting the ball as they've been. I mean, they are just a terrible shooting team uh, in a lot of different areas. I mean, obviously, it's worse at three point shooting. They're shooting twenty seven percent. That's top bottom five, six I think in the country. Free throw shooting, they're shooting I think sixty eight, sixty nine percent, which is not very good. They're shooting 47% from inside the arc. So they just, they can't score consistently enough. And I think this is not, you know, it's not a great defensive team either. And so when you combine all things together, I think it's just there's not a lot of room for error for this team. So when they come out and shoot it as poorly as they usually do, um, that's kind of led to a lot of inconsistent results, I think, at this point. And so, yeah, that was one I didn't think they could really afford to give away because now you turn around and go to Tennessee on Saturday. Uh, the rematch, I think, going to be a lot tougher than it was the last time around. And you still got road games at Georgia, Ole Miss. Got to play South Carolina, Mississippi State at home. I mean, I've said I think A&M's probably the most unpredictable team left because they could go zero and five, or they go four and one, depending on if they shoot the ball well. So who knows? And that once gaudy net is now down to fifty. Uh, South Carolina fifty-eight, Ole Miss at sixty-seven. But Ole Miss and Texas A&M will play in Oxford on the last Saturday of the regular season. If Ole Miss beats them both times, they've already defeated them at College Station. If they defeat them at Oxford, I don't think if it comes down to one of those two, I don't think it's even close. I don't care what A&M's net net would be. If I beat you twice, I should get the bid over you. Yeah, and I think what I'm not hearing people talk about enough with A&M. I do still see some people, even after last night, saying, hey, they're going to be fine because, you know, this is helping here, that's helping there. They've got some good wins. Those are helping. But I'm like, at some point, the thing about A&M is you have to look at the right part of the record column. And it's like they have 11 losses now. So, like, they're not going to get in with 15 or 16 losses. This isn't the kind of team that's going to do that. You know, we've seen SEC teams break the record. I think it was Vanderbilt that broke the record at first. Alabama broke it after that in terms of, I think, most losses to get in or whatever it was. I remember it was 14 or 15. Uh, Jim Harry in Georgia got in with a bunch of losses one right. time. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't this to me isn't an A&M team that's going to get in with that kind of record this year. I feel like there's just too much that they've left on the table. Even with the good wins. I don't think there's enough there for them to get in again with 14 losses or something like that. I just, I think they have to have a great finish. And like you said, I think that's key for Ole Miss because if you look at the Rebels, 
at this point, it is bad loss avoidance. Um, you know, and, and the good news is they only have, I think, probably a couple of those. And even Georgia may not be a bad loss if they lose that one on the road. The Missouri loss would be bad. But the yeah. other game, there's lots of opportunity for potential. Uh, and, and I think Ole Miss, you know, honestly, if you'd asked me yesterday, I'd have said maybe Ole Miss is a team that plays their way out. A&M stays in. Now I probably would flip it because I just don't trust A&M anymore. Could both play their way out and the SEC be down to yeah. – uh, heaven forbid, uh, unthinkable, only seven bids. I think that's a real possibility. And, and every time I, I see nine, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm trying not to be pessimistic, but I, I just, I find it really hard to believe it's going to be nine. I just don't see it happening. I haven't thought that for a month. I've I never have anything. either. Yeah. I, I've said eight, and it's just because, again, you're just maybe playing the scenarios where one team plays its way out. They have to play each other. Somebody's got to lose. And teams, you know, need wins if you're on the bubble. And by virtue of that, you're just going to kind of go head-to-head like we just talked about with Ole Miss and A&M. And so, but it would, would it shock me, again, for the, if A&M just continues to go the wrong direction, well, they just, they're not even in the conversation if we get to that point. Then it becomes, all right, Ole Miss is probably the next team in that category because Florida's obviously done their work over the past three weeks where they were kind of in that same conversation. Now I think Florida's going to be just fine. Um, you know, Mississippi State has certainly turned it around with a – I don't want to say easier schedule, but obviously they've had a little let up here that's really been helpful for them, given a tough first part of the schedule. Um, and I think they're going to still pick up a couple key wins because they've got opportunities left too. So, yeah, it probably comes down to Ole Miss and A&M. And like you said, if you know, let's say A&M beats an Ole Miss or something and both teams are in a bad spot, that doesn't do anything for anybody. So. And, Blake, in, in, a, in a weird way, and, and both both of us, we, we, we love it and follow it closely, but in a weird way, the SEC's kind of in basketball's kind of become – what we deride, what we've kind of chuckled at with the Big Ten. Gobs of bids, bunch of teams in, nobody making it, doing any damage. Yeah, I mean, it is. And I think that's where this is one of those years where I feel like if the SEC is going to make strides, you know, you need one of these top four or five teams to, to advance to the second round of the tournament because, or third round, you know, to the Sweet 16 second weekend. Um, because I, I think it's, this is just, like I said, I think this is one of those years where you go back to, what, 2019. That was the year the SEC had five teams that were top five seeds. When Mississippi State gets beat in the first round of Liberty, um, we know everybody else and what they did from there. You had the Auburn-Kentucky game, Auburn gets the Final Four, all that. It, is the league as strong this year as it was that year? I don't think so, but I think this is probably the closest it's been in terms of looking at some teams at the top that feel like they have that potential to get that run to, I mean, again, we know we're going to get probably three top five seeds out of the SEC for sure, mm-hmm. is my guess. Um, so, if you look at it that way, yeah, like there's a lot, a lot at stake this season. I think to kind of prove as a conference, you have what it takes because otherwise, we, I mean, it feels like the same story every year, right? We're usually talking about another disappointing exit for Tennessee yeah. or Kentucky or teams like that. Auburn um, is that going to be the story this year? I, it can't because this is kind of one of those years they have to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Talking to Blake Lovell from the Southeastern 14. He joins us every single week to talk SEC basketball. Blake, Kentucky, they're back in action tonight on the road against LSU. That game later tonight on ESPN. And since that home loss to Gonzaga, two games for Kentucky and two really good defensive performances for them against uh, Ole Miss and then on the road at Auburn over the weekend, a 70-59 to win for them. Do you think this is Kentucky's defense turning a corner or do you think this is just a, a really good couple of games and they can revert right back to uh, to what we saw earlier in the conference site? Listen, I'll, I'll give you the answer after tonight's game because this game <laughs> terrifies me oh, yeah. for Kentucky. 
absolutely terrifies me if I'm a Kentucky fan because you've heard it. You know, they're, they're turning a corner. This is it. This is how they make their run. They always play great at the end of February under Cal, and this is this is it. Like, we're finally seeing it. We didn't know if we'd ever get there, but these past two games, we're seeing it now. But you go to Baton Rouge, you play an LSU team that I was looking at the recent history the other day. I think you got to go back 14, 15 years, something like that. Every game that Kentucky has played in Baton Rouge has been close, except for the times they've lost where they've gotten blown out, I think, one or two times. Every game they've won has been within probably four or five points. And so I fully expect this to be a close game tonight, and then it's like, all right, we'll decide then if Kentucky really turns (laughs) the corner. I mean, I've made the joke, and I don't don't, obviously have every team's record in front of me, but I said LSU may be the best 13-12 and team in the country because they've been really close in a lot of games, and they just have not had that extra something to get over the hump in probably three three games or something. Think about it, right? If they win – a game they lost to Georgia by two, A&M at home by four, the game of Florida by two. I mean, mm-hmm. if they win, who are those three? You know, we're talking about LSU in the in the NCAA tournament conversation probably a little bit. So, yeah, so I think this is a tricky one for Kentucky, but this is the kind of one, if they have turned the corner, they have to find a way to win. And I think it will all be about defense because LSU is a good offensive team at times. You know, they, they play really well with Jordan Wright leading the way and Will Baker and Jalen Cook, all those guys that are stepping up. Tyrell Ward's been really good. And all that. So, yeah, I, I just think this is one where we find out a lot more about Kentucky tonight in this one. And Saturday night, after their biggest win of the year, game day down on the Plains, that arena that we've all agreed, toughest place to play in the SEC, one of the toughest places to play in all college basketball. And the first thing John Calipari does post game, because he does not have a gracious bone in his body, he goes to the bank of microphones and goes after the media for going after his players. Quit going after my players. If you want to go after somebody, go after me. Nobody's called his players out this year, Blake. People have called him out, and he has to go out there, and he does it in the biggest smart-alecky style uh, as ever and goes after the media when nobody's ripped on his players. I was going to say, I, I, I couldn't even tell you a time I've heard anybody rip on the Kentucky, which is unusual. Usually there yeah. is some times where, you know, it's so loud that you'll get certain players mentioned to say, all right, well, this guy's the problem or that guy's the problem. I don't I mean, really know. Nobody's gone full Archie Goodwin on anybody this year. <laughs> no. Listen, the only thing that's probably been discussed this year, and I don't necessarily think it's in a bad way, it's just like, think about, like, if you want to talk about how loaded this Kentucky team is from a talent standpoint, think about the conversation six months ago. Justin Edwards is probably going to be the top three pick in the NBA draft or something. And, you know, he's not even been the top three player on this particular team. And I don't necessarily think that's, that's the fault of Justin Edwards. I think it's just look at how much all these other guys have emerged and become great players, right? Whether it's D.J. Wagner. I mean, look how good they are when he's on the floor versus not on the floor. You know, it's just he's a big game changer for them. And, of course, Reeves and Dillingham. Trey Mitchell's been out a little bit. Reed Shepard's been fantastic. So, I don't know what he's talking about there because I think we've done nothing this year but kind of praise his players. We can yeah. say they don't play great defense, which is true, but I don't think anybody's taken aim at a specific player uh, this season. So, yeah, I, I was also one that – just a cow thing, I guess. So hmm. it, it, it is, and you, you almost count on it. I've got them winning tonight but going 3-3 three and three in this final six. I have them winning tonight, losing against Bama at Rupp Arena, losing at State, beating Arkansas, beating Vandy and losing at Thompson Bowling. Yeah, I could see that. I think Bama's the kind of team that will give them absolute debt. Um And the thing is, I could see Alabama losing the night to Florida. I think Florida's playing as well as, as anybody at times over the past month. I mean, they mm-hmm. lost one game January 16th. And 
I think the problem I have with Florida is they're kind of like Alabama in that, you know, sometimes they let teams hang around a little bit too much. Now, Alabama hasn't recently. They've just been blowing people out, but it's the defensive aspect. Alabama, I think, has gotten a lot better defensively. Florida, I don't know how much better they're getting defensively. I think they're good, but I don't know if they're to the level they need to be to win a lot of these games, but tonight should be, you know, take the over. I don't know what it is, but both these teams, I think, are going to score a lot of points. Uh, and so, yeah, these are the kind of teams which we've seen. We've seen Florida win and rup. Alabama, I think, again, just like Florida, they can, you know, put a lot of pressure on a team like Kentucky. And so, we always say it, Brett, when you get the NCAA tournament, it's all about the matchups. And if I'm Kentucky, there are certain teams that I'm just probably scared to death of based on, you know, just kind of the makeup of where they are. But we'll see again. Do they play defense tonight? If they do, hey, that's three games in a row, and maybe they are turning the corner. I'm, I'm looking at Jerry Palm's bracket, and Jerry's already going day by d- daily update. And he was on this morning with Greg and Eli on our station, as he is throughout college football and college basketball season. And here's your first-round matchup Kentucky should should lay awake at night, scared of. It's in Pittsburgh, and Cal will love that. That's home for him. I don't blame him. I, w- I, would, I, would, I would be proud to be going back home to him. Not, that is not a shot at John Calipari. I got several shots for him, but that's not one. But, but the matchup against Grand Canyon? Oh, Look out. Boy. Oh, man. Wow. No, thanks. That, that's a team I mentioned to you guys last week. I said that's a team that I would keep an eye on. They're 24-2 and two now. I know they play in the whack. You're going to say, well, they're not that impressive. They've won some close games against bad teams. But I'm telling you, I've, I've seen that team a little bit. Again, as much as you can watch the whack. Mm-hmm. But I, I really like what Bryce Drew has there. He's got an older team. They've got size. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to like. And so that would that would be a worrisome matchup, I think, for Kentucky in round one. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That would be a uh, uh, that would not be fun for John Calipari getting ready for that one. Well, you mentioned Florida and uh, you know kind of similar team to, to Alabama and uh, a big one tonight against the Tide. But what have you seen uh, this year? You know, I, I really like the hire of Todd Golden when they made it from from San Francisco. But you know, last year obviously first year, still trying to get his feet wet in the SEC, and this year now specifically in conference play, it really looks like he is starting to turn things around and kind of go with his brand of basketball. What have you seen that has most stuck out to you about Todd Golden since he has taken that job at Florida? Yeah, I mean, like you said, the knock, I think, on Golden coming into the season was, and they were a little disappointing last year. I thought they, they could have gotten more out of what they had, but they had some injuries, of course, with Castleton and such, and they just they couldn't put it all together. And then the kind of this season started, and you started to see them lose the big games early, and that was the knock, right? Their record last year, I think, was like one in twelve or something yeah. against teams that were like in the Ken Palm top fifty or whatever it is. And, you know, they lost the first three this year against those kind of teams. You're thinking, all right, are they going to beat any good teams? Because that's what you got to do to get to the tournament, and that's what they've done over the past month. Like they started beating good teams. They beat Mississippi State. They went out Kentucky State. They blow out Auburn, a game that wasn't even close. I mean, sixteen point game. It was felt like a thirty point game. Um, and so now that they're doing that, I'll tell you what I really like about what they're doing is you, you said it, Brian. I think they're, they're embracing the style they want to play and they're leaning into the strengths of the guys they have. Their four mm-hmm. guards, I mean, you know, perimeter players, they're as good as it gets when those guys are on and playing really well. They can match up with anybody in the SEC. But I think the underrated thing about Florida, their big guys have come along so well. I mean, I was really high on Tyree Samuel coming from the Big East, just a physical guy that you knew would be able to, you know, kind of blend into the SEC where you know it's going to be physical night in, night out, you know, as we always see with the, the Arkansas and Texas A&M specials like we got last night, 73 free throws. Um, you just know it's going to be a physical, aggressive game. But it's all the other guys. It's the guys that, you know, the underclassmen, like Ken Logden, of course, who was at Marshall. He's been really good for them. Um, Alex Condon, a freshman. 
um, you know, Thomas Howe, guys like that who are really playing well in the front court. They've they've established a great team with depth, and I think that's what you got to have. Again, I want to see them play better defense and not just let teams hang around like they have at Georgia, LSU, teams like that. Um, but if they can kind of start to do what Alabama did and just get better consistently on defense, Florida's got the package you need, I think, to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Blake, I think it's pretty understood that the player of the year in the SEC this year will be Dalton Connect, and he's moving up in all the draft boards. I even saw one where the Grizzlies possibly would take him in the lottery. And he turns 23 before opening night next year. Now, I know some of these birthdays for the current Grizzlies will 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 roll over, but right now, Santi Aldama, 23. Uh, Matt Hurt, 23. Gigi Jackson, 19. Jaron Jackson, 24. Dalton, Dalton Connect's only a year younger than Jaron Jackson. Uh, Trey Jemison, 24. Jake LaRavia, 22. Ja Moran, I know, turned 25 before opening night. Scotty Pippen Jr., 23. Uh, Zaire Williams, 22 right now. Uh, Vince Williams, 23. Will, will that hurt Connect? Will his age hurt him with the draft because of the I'm, – I'm sorry for using this word, but it's true, the amortization schedule. Well, I, I you know how – I mean, like you said, it, it's always something that's going to be talked about, especially when you, you just look around. And like you mentioned, you can you can pull up an NBA roster like the Grizzlies and say, all right, here's the ages, and here's the guy we're thinking about drafting. And all the, the capital that's going to go into that, for someone that is older than, you know, guys that we're already paying a lot of money to and, and maybe, again, feel like, I don't know. Like, is it is it worth the value and that kind of stuff? I, I would normally say maybe, but now I think when you just look at the body of work that he's assembled, I mean, the more I study it, like, and I do, I don't try to just look at SEC guys. I try to look at other guys who are around the country, the guys who I feel like maybe are closest to someone like that. I just don't see many guys out there that have the skill set that he has, and I don't know that we've seen guys in recent years that have what he has whenever he gets going. Right? I mean, last night's game is a great example. I mean, he was over whatever in the first half. But then it's like he just turns it on, and it's just it's the smoothest thing you'll see on a basketball court. Like, he just he has all the skills. He has all the things that NBA teams are looking for in terms of can you put the ball in the basket and can you do it effortlessly. Like you, orange, you ball, do it. orange ball through orange goal. That's it. Right. That's all you got to do. And, like, he does it as well as anybody in the, in the entire country. And so I think – because it's but not so like did Adam Morrison, and so well, did Jimmer Fredette. That is a great point. They did, and, and absolutely. And so I'm curious, just like you are, to see maybe how they, they, they go about this. But, boy, I look at this guy, and I just feel like he is he's different than, than other guys I've seen before in terms of just looking at the overall skill set, the physical makeup, all these other things. Um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see how he, he kind of fits into wherever he lands. Well, I want to ask you before we let you go about another player that I've heard people throw out for uh, for conference player of the year, and uh, Mark Sears from from Alabama, and they'll be going up against Florida tonight. But really, really good. His last five games, he's he scored twenty one points or more. He's averaging uh, about twenty and a half points per game this year. Uh, what do you like most about Mark Sears' game? Yeah, I think what's interesting about Sears is like we talk about like effortlessly. And like sometimes look up people look up with Alabama like all right they're clearly the best offensive team in the country they just put up a hundred again whatever right. you know ho hum it's Alabama um, but it's like when you see the way that he gets his knowing that every time out everybody knows that Mark Sears is the best offensive player on the floor mm-hmm. in any game unless Dalton connects on the floor 
you know, for the other team. Right. And so I think it's just he's going off screens. He's trying to work to get open. It's just like this guy just keeps going and going and going. He keeps finding ways to take shots and make shots. And I also think he's underrated in terms of just getting everybody else involved. Because, again, he, he's not scoring 100 points on his own. Right. Um, he's responsible for getting everybody else involved in terms of making sure that the game flows the way that Nate Oates needs it to flow to play that style and to be effective. Um, and so, again, he's an older guy. We all remember, you know, kind of the heroics, it, 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 you know, being for a team like Ohio, right? They were having mm-hmm. success. And, and I think that's just something that has paid off over the years now, being, you know, on a team like last year, having as big of a role as he did on the number one overall seed in the tournament. Now he just carries that over into what is just been a, it's a different team than it was last year. But as we're seeing, different makeup, but same kind of success. And so I, he has. I know you. Rem- I know you remember this guy. And Bryant remember him very well. His year and his story reminds me a lot of Jeremiah Martin's here at mm-hmm. Memphis. Yeah. Jeremiah yeah. Martin, I think, played in seven games as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sears played in five at Ohio. Yeah. And then by the end end of his college basketball time, you look up and he's played over a hundred games. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great comparison. I mean, it's, sometimes it's pretty easy in this in this game. If you can just get on the floor and you play a lot of minutes, you're going to learn some things. Right. Like, you're going to figure out how to get past defenses, how to do all these different things. And he's just someone that's gotten better year after year. Oh, after old year. man basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's old man basketball. That's it. You don't have to be flashy. Parks isn't flashy. He just goes out and makes plays and makes shots. It's yeah. pretty simple. Absolutely. Well, it's a really good slate of games tonight in the SEC and some fun games uh, this weekend as well. But, Blake, as always, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds great, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Thank you, Blake, so much. Thank you. That that was a lot of fun. Do you you like the Jeremiah Martin? I do. That's a really good comparison. You know, I mean, Brett, you know, if in t- talking about recent Tigers that have played, Jeremiah Martin is is one of my favorites. So I like that comparison a lot. My my, my two favorite Penny Tigers, yeah, Jer- oh, Jeremiah Martin and Kendrick Davis. Got to be. I mean, those two are, are certainly up there, and I, I think a lot of people would agree. I mean, that I know that, DeAndre would be way yeah, up there with a lot of people. Absolutely, but I mean, that one year uh, of Jeremiah Martin, his senior season, I mean, unbelievable. Just those games, and and kind of like what Blake was saying about Mark Sears. I mean, Jeremiah made it look effortless. I mean, it, it looked like he, he was just it was easy for him out there, and uh, you know, just didn't look like he was trying too hard. Just went out there, and when you know, you'd look up, and he'd have you know twenty five points. You know who I almost wanted to compare Mark Sears to, but I would get burned so badly when in in about four years. So I'm glad I didn't compare him to Jalen Brunson <laughs> at Villanova. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but I wanted to. It's not a bad comparison at all. I mean, it's and left hand and all left handers look the same. Sure, don't they? Uh, absolutely. Yes, I get that a lot too as a left hander. I mean, uh, you, everybody looks like when they are left handed. But no, Mark Sears is uh, is a good player, and that's going to be a really fun game tonight, Florida but, and Alabama. But, it's a big march for Nate Oates. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm tired of hearing, hey, we make shots, we can beat anybody. Well, what if you don't, coach? Yeah. Well, what's plan B? Yeah, no, that's a, <laughs> that's a good point. And, and, and down there, plan B, well, spring football, yeah, day-day game's sure, coming up. Sure. Well, no, I mean, no, 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 I'm talking basketball. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the same uh, That's the same thing that people say about Creighton. You know, Creighton gets the big win last night against UConn, but they're so reliant on their three-point shooting that, you know, they could go out and make 14 like they did last night against UConn and win by 20, or they could go out and make five or six and, uh, and, and you know, end up losing to a, uh, you know, a game they should win. But uh, let's go ahead and get to a break. Break, and when we come back, we'll talk some college football. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 
Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back into Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you. And we've talked a lot of basketball today, but some college football news going on around the country. We've got some meetings with the commissioners going on today. No, a lot of meetings. A lot of meetings. We're getting to that time of the year, Brett, where everyone's got to meet about everything. And, and we're there today. And, you know, any time now we could be uh, hearing some news from, from these meetings. Yeah, I'm expecting kind of that that, that Heather Dennich tweet. Mm-hmm. She she that's her job is to cover the CFP for ESPN.com. She does it very well. Ready ready for that because it feels like tonight, maybe you know, first thing in the morning, we'll get a lot more news. We we do know the six the twelve team playoff, and I think we're we're moving towards sixteen and the announcement of where the TV will be. Yeah. I think it's going to be mostly ESPN. But they can sell some of those games off to other networks. But here's what we know we have for this coming December, December of 2024. On Friday night, December 20th, will be that one standalone college football game in the college football playoff this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know what, what seeds it will be. I don't know where it will be. And I've said I, I, I fear, I almost will predict that that, that could be maybe even a, a streaming-type game. Yeah. Then that Saturday, the twenty-first, we'll have the the we'll have three playoff games, kind of the noonish, three-ish, seven o'clock type schedule for Central Time. Then on December thirty-first, one college football game quarterfinal. On January one, we will have three quarterfinal games. Again, kind of morning, noon, and afternoon. On January 9th, college one college football semifinal game. On January 10th, the other college football semifinal game. On January 11th, NFL wild card games. On the 12th, NFL wild card games. On Monday the 13th, a one standalone NFL wild card game. On January 18th, divisional games in the NFL. January 19th, divisional games. And on Monday, January 20th, the college football national championship game. Brett, I mean, what a great time that's going to be. It's going to be unbelievable. That, that Monday, January 20th, and that is the uh, national observance for federal holiday for Dr. Martin Luther yeah. King. So we'll have basketball in Memphis that afternoon, probably four-ish, five-ish, like, like always, and then get home from that if you go to that in the college football playoff national championship game will be on TV, and it will also be inauguration day, so college football will save us from every network going to the dopey balls. <laughs> That's great. We can we can get away from it. Go watch the uh, some football. I think everyone would rather do that instead of watching Everybody w- would rather do that. And, and in December, so that, that Saturday the 21st, I, I suspect some bowl games – Will be played maybe even that Thursday. Mm. That's that's usually the weekend. You know, we like to fire up kind of the Cura Bowl and yeah. the Bahamas Bowl, oh, yeah. and, and and games like that. And it's you know all, all those games are are programming for for ESPN. Absolutely. I I I would suspect would suspect maybe an afternoon game on Thursday the nineteenth, and even a game early in the day. The twentieth may be leading into oh wow the college football playoff game. Then on Saturday. 
I, I don't I don't know how you would schedule any against those three games. I, I think that would be uh, a really bad decision because you know where the eyes are going to go, especially first year of it. Everybody's going to want to watch these playoff games. I think everyone's going to want to continue to watch these playoff games because they're going to be unbelievable matchups. But especially year one, I would stay far, far away from those days that we're getting college, especially when you're getting a whole day of it. Maybe like you said, if you have a night game and you could have a game mid-afternoon or something that leads into it. But I want to stay far Maybe. away from those from those mm-hmm. games while they're happening. And on Sunday the twenty second, you, you know it'll be all NFL. Mm-hmm. The afternoon of Monday the twenty third, I could see a college football game that day leading into Monday night football. Sure. The twenty fourth, kind of always the uh, uh, the Hawaii Bowl. Yeah. Uh, and maybe one other mid-afternoon, nothing on the 25th, and then games on the 26th. There, it'll, it'll be a lot of bowl games on the 26th. So it will be important to see where those post-Christmas bowl games yeah. get their dates because you you, do, you don't want to battle a, a, sun, a Sunday against the NFL. No. So Sunday the 29th and even Monday the 30th. You, do, you you won't want to battle it. You sure won't go up against it on Monday Night Football. Right. It's going to be hard to find a place for those games. And so next year, 16 teams in the SEC. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let's say out of those 16 teams, five get in the playoffs. Let, okay. Let's go Georgia, Texas, Alabama, and, and then the other two could be a, an assortment of sure. people. It could be either Ole Miss, Mizzou, Tennessee, LSU. Right. It could be it could be a bunch of different teams. But let, let's go those five. Well, that takes down that 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 you can have a bowl team from for the SEC. And I'm, I'm really thinking about the Liberty Bowl in this case. Mm. Well, you're down to eleven. Well, three or four won't qualify. Right. Probably. Yeah. So let's say it's four. That takes you down to seven. Mm. Well. Citrus still gets a team. Yep. Tampa gets a team. Jacksonville gets a team. Nashville gets a team. Mm. And Houston gets a team. That's five. Mm. Slim pickings. Oh, I, I didn't think about that, but that's a really good point. Slim pickings at a construction site. I think I think we're going to see a lot of that. I'm worried we're going to see a lot of that because I I mean I, I did not think about that possibility but you're absolutely right I mean if you have a successful season in the conference it doesn't just have to be the SEC with their bowl games but Big Ten you know it's, it's kind of in the same boat where if you send five teams or four teams even and you've got those three or four teams that really struggle I mean somebody's got to struggle in, in the conference simple math I mean, it's just simple math and especially if you have multiple teams going to the college football playoffs you're gonna have three or four teams at the bottom that aren't bowl eligible and it's gonna get it's gonna get slim and the SEC has never been that enamored by the fairgrounds mm-hmm. by Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium no. They're sure not going to be enamored by it, and you need a hard hat on walking no, around. No, absolutely not. No, certainly not with the construction going on. So, yeah, I mean, that that's going to pose a a big situation and, and kind of a dilemma for, for not just the Liberty Bowl, but a couple of bowls a couple this of year, them. especially this year being that first year. And like you said, trying to figure out dates for these bowl games and – I mean, it's there's. I think there's a lot, and I'm now starting to think about it because you're bringing it up. I think there are a lot of things that people aren't thinking about right now in terms of just postseason college football because kind of all of our focus right now is on this college football playoffs. And, and we, and it will start this year, and you give it two or three years, 
the entire energy will be the playoff. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. Especially how it's going like that when you really break it down. Like, it seems like it really hurts some of the bowls, man. It hurt Mm -hmm. a lot of the bowls, man, that you never thought that would get hurt. But you're looking so forward to the playoffs. Johnny, it hurts the post 27th, 28th of December bowls more than it does. Famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Yeah, yeah. When you really break it down like that, and I, I really didn't think of it until you really painted that picture. Like, man, people not thinking about it right now because everybody thinking about the playoffs. Like, I'm looking forward to the playoffs, but you not even think about some of the bowls, man. A lot of the bowls they're gonna get hurt and affected by this. It, it will be a playoff centric world we live in. So, Brett, do you think we get news about a 16 team playoff in the future this week? Or soon? Or do you think that comes next year, later down the road? Well, they love to meet. They and, love meeting. And to have more meetings, you can't give up too much right now. That's but, true. But, but you got to start making plans. Got to. And, and, and they know that. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, they're they're, they're not dumb. They're not going to wait around, uh, you know, sitting on their thumbs until next year and, and you know, get to next offseason and go, wait a minute, that was just for that year. we got to do something going forward. You'll get you'll get the news of the sixteen, and then you're going to get the news of a guaranteed number of bids for Big Ten and SEC, and a lot of the college football world will be on fire over that. But the SEC and the Big Ten, they know they're the focal point of the sport, and they're tired and they're tired of dragging along Liberty. Yeah, no, you're right, and I mean with. With what they've done with expansion and the teams that they're going to have in their conference. And, and going to expand more. Going to expand more. And the TV deals that, that just those conferences alone are able to go out and get, um, you know, it it does not surprise me at all that, that they would get certain amount of, of teams that are would be automatically in. All right. I, I, I missed on the timing of it. I had a good feeling that last summer was going to be summer of upheaval. Right. And it just took forever for it to get started. Waited till mm-hmm. heck, the 29th, 30th of July yeah. to do it. I, th- I thought it would be earlier, and yes, I thought the University of Memphis would be announced in the Big 12 last year. I didn't see the complete disintegration of, of, of the Pac-12. <laughs> I don't think many people did. And when that happened, that severely hurt sure. Memphis. Absolutely. It really did. I, I think Memphis would be playing in the Big 12 fall of 2024. If it hadn't have been for that, I don't think this summer has quite the movement last summer had. But I would bet that the news comes earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. I would I would expect early rather than later, and I'm excited. I mean, I think like you said, maybe kinda, even some announcing were July one. We're, really, we're we're proud members of. Oh wow! Now they, you know, the football schedule can't sure, change for this year. Right. But basketball can absolutely that for next be, year in baseball. That would be interesting. No, I'm excited. I mean, like you said to start this segment, I think we're going to get news very soon of uh, you know what has come about the meetings today and and what kind of happened. But uh, we already got five and seven, so we know that maybe we'll get some more news before we get out of here um, today or before we get on the air tomorrow to to talk more about what kind of the future of of college football looks like. Let's go ahead and grab another break, and uh, when we come back, it'll be time for Big Number of the Day. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. 
Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. I completely forgot about the sounder we play to start this segment, and I almost had a heart attack just now. That scared me. The 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 goal horn <laughs> scared me to death. I was not a fan of that. Um, Brett, I think you should go first today. Okay. Oh, come num- on, Brett. <laughs> My number is 323. Okay. Okay. 323, as in three hours and 23 minutes. That was the average college football game length mm. last year, and that was five minutes less than 2022. And they're promising even more next year to move it along. I think you will see the clock running uh, even later in the game after incomplete passes. Man, wow. I love the number, That's Brett. That's a really good big number. I love the number. That's I got a second one. one if you need it. Please. Oh, oh, go ahead, Please. Brett. Go ahead. <laughs> what a Whoa. number, Brett. <laughs> what That's a dollars, number. as in the North Carolina athletics endowment Whoa. and that's the biggest Whoa. in the country just in the athletics endowment a half a billion dollars wow that's amazing that's crazy that is crazy. never mind the, what what they have for academics <laughs> set, setting over in a, a trust fund right no that is that's that is a crazy big number that's really good stuff uh, my big number i'm really excited about my big number today what you got dakis 21 my big number today. Okay. Uh, Blackjack. Uh, bingo. <laughs> um, after losing last night to uh, to Creighton, UConn is now 0-21 against ranked opponents. They've lost the last 21 games on the road against ranked opponents. 0-21. Is that right? Since 2014. The last time they won hmm. a ranked game on the road. They won it all in 14 with uh, Napier and Boatwright. That's correct. Johnny. I'll let you guess. Who do you think was the last team, ranked team, that that UConn beat on the road? Mm. Brett heard my slip up, and he knows it. Oh, Brett. I'm passing no, it to Brett. No, no, I'm no, passing no, no, it to Brett. No, Johnny. I can't think Johnny, of one right guys, now. The last you win on the road this. was in 2014. <laughs> They've lost their last 21 games on the road to ranked teams. Who was the last I, team? They I, I didn't catch it. I'm going to guess Memphis. It was Memphis. Yeah, I, yeah. I almost said Memphis when I was saying UConn. How can I miss that, it And it, it, was, it was irritating at the time. You know, in 2014, the AAC tournament, the first AAC tournament mm-hmm. was here, and the UConn people were mad as hornets over being here. They thought from the from day one, the AAC was something beneath them. Right. And, and they were saying, I mean, just openly, their yep. media, yep. we should be in something better than this. And they had to throw football overboard, yep. but they did it. And you can't really argue with the move they made. Yeah, no. yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah. it's worked out. I mean, a, a national champion and then now, you know, one of, I think, the – Three, if you said you know Houston, UConn, or, or Purdue, I think a lot of people would say it's going to come out of that field. So I mean, it's it's. I, I started out. to ask Blake Lovell this, and I will next week, and I and probably will get to this over the next few weeks with Kevin Sweeney and other basketball guests. Biggest pr- 
preseason thing you got right Ooh. and you got wrong. Well, for me, it's easy. The biggest I got wrong is Arkansas winning it all. Mm-hmm. But I did have Creighton in my Final Four, remember? You did. Yeah, you did. Had Kansas and Purdue. That was, that was my four final in Arkansas. Thing I got right for now, we'll see. And it's going to be just land the airplane. Mm-hmm. Chris Beard goes to the tournament his first year at Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, it's, there's getting some turbulence up there right now. It, it, it's a lot. It's a, a, lot, it's a lot going on. He, uh, Ole Miss next six. Tonight at Starkville. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think they'll win tonight. No. South Carolina at home Saturday. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Bama at home midweek next week. Mm-hmm. The following Saturday at Mizzou. And then midweek, the final week at Georgia. In the last day of the year against A&M at home. Wow. There's, there, there's no gimme in there, not even at Mizzou. Not at all. I mean, uh, oh, for Mizzou. That is a extremely tough uh, stretch to end the season for Ole Miss. And you're right. I mean, try to land that plane and mm, it's they, they, they could They could go anything but 6-0 and oh and 5-1 and one in that stretch. Oh, e- easily. 0-6, oh, 1-5. Two four, just throwing darts at uh-huh. this point of what they would be because I mean it really is. I mean that is a even those home games. I mean South Carolina at home, uh, Alabama at home. I understand that we've seen at a way higher rate this year. It's harder for teams. How, to how wounded will A and M be? Nah, there could be a, a forget about it factor for A and M too that Saturday. Absolutely could be, and that would that would be great for Ole Miss, but. Whew, that is that's tough, and even you know Missouri. I mean, on the road against Missouri um, could be uh, scary at times for sure. But um, you know, it's it's looking now with Texas A M, like you said, the checkout factor. I mean, we were just talking yesterday about them being in eleven seed, and I haven't checked Jerry Palm's update break. I'm guessing he has them out now after that loss last night um, against Arkansas. He, but... he does. They're the he's the, the they're the second team. Of the first four out, so wow. they're second out. Wow. Butler, A and M, Oregon, Seton Hall, Jerry Palm's last four in, Nebraska, Colorado, Cincinnati, Gonzaga. Mm. Wow. Wow. So I like that. I like those teams, but uh, you know, it's we were talking, I mean it felt it feels like just a couple days ago we were you know, they were saying nine teams in from the SEC and we were kinda of saying, uh, oh, it feels like eight. And now, you know, it could be Whittling eight, down to maybe seven. seven. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be interesting how these teams finish the any, season. Any way you see American getting three? No. No. I, I think I think at most is two, and that would be Florida Atlantic finishing the season well and then somebody else winning the conference. I think because that's the only he, way they get to. Here, here's the the brutal math for it, for, even for the Tigers, unless they go on the, the run and win the automatic qualifying bid with winning the postseason tournament. 89 net, Mm -hmm. if they win on Sunday against FAU that's now at 33, it hurts FAU's net. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean. That is true. It's just tough. And now, I mean, for for the Tigers, I think – they're a quad three game for for other teams right now, and so I mean you're you're seeing that you fourth know, in the AAC and net at eighty nine crazy crazy, but you know, and I think who would those two teams be? I mean, I think whoever I really think it'd be whoever because you look at the teams Charlotte right now, the metrics don't love USF, the metrics don't love. I just don't see another team outside of Florida Atlantic making the tournament unless they won the conference. I, think I do think Fort way. Worth will be wide open. No, absolutely. I think I think it's anybody. I don't have a good feeling about Memphis filling the void. I don't either.
I don't either. It's where they're at right now. It, you know, it's a lot. Tonight will tell a lot of it. It will, and a win uh, would be a step in the right direction. But we need to go ahead and wrap up this hour. Get to a break, and when we come back, we're talking more college basketball with Kevin Sweeney. 